If you have your Bibles this morning, I invite you to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Thankful for a uh, good bit of rain that we needed. Um, it, it's kind of odd that we um, went so many days without rain, uh, and then uh, in the Midwest, uh, and uh, they've got too much rain, and there's flooding, uh, and uh, so forth, and then uh, it's snowing in Wyoming, uh, so in Arizona, you know, so it's crazy, uh, but through it all, no matter what circumstances we find ourselves in, we know that God uh, is there with us, uh, and that's one thing to say that, it's quite another thing to live it though, isn't it? And I think we would all say, yeah, Aaron, God's always with us, and God's always watching, but if God were to look at our life, and by the way, he does, he would ask ourselves, he would ask us a question that we need to ask ourselves, right? and that is, what are you going after? Are you seeking after the things of this world? Are you think, seeking after money? Are you power, fame, uh, just getting by? Or are you really seeking to do the Lord's will in your life? Uh, and we'll see that how that applies to us. So let's take a look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're going to read verses 1 through 12 this morning. Paul says, Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more, just as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God. For you know what the commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. That you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion or lust like the Gentiles, who do not know God. That no one should take advantage and defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such as we all forewarned you and testified. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. And indeed, you do so toward all uh, the brethren who are in in all of Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more, that is, you aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands as we commanded you, that you may walk properly toward those who are outside, and that you might lack. Very relevant message to the church at Thessalonica, but also to us in 2019. If the first century world was covered up in sin, uh, 
how much more with all our technological advances and things, rather than us getting any better or any holier, we've only gotten worse. And sin seems that it only has perpetuated. Now you can't watch the news or, you know, commercials on television, papers on ads, you know, newspaper ads and uh, commercials on the radio and on the internet. All kinds of things uh, allure us away from the Lord. Hardy's came under attack a few months before some scantily clothed ladies selling hamburgers. Now there's nothing, you know, with the woman wearing a bikini and sitting on the roof of a Mustang has nothing to do with the hamburger. But it has everything to do with appealing to man's sense of desire and lust. Because God knows that men and women both are sensual creatures and we have uh, desires and our desires drive us to either honor the Lord and serve Him more or they drive us to the desire to please ourselves. And so that's what the, where the question comes. Is what are you after? Now there's not one of us that's perfect and sinless. This side of heaven we won't be. But God calls us to grow more and more like Jesus. And the thing, as we'll see in a minute, He helps us to do that if that's the desire of our heart. And so a few things that I want us to see this morning from this passage, and the first is this, that God desires our holiness. Paul says the whole matter of it is this. This is what God wants for your life. Your sanctification. Sanctification is just a $2 word that means holiness. It means set apart. To sanctify something is to set it apart for a specific purpose. And Paul says the specific purpose that you and I were made was to know God and to make Him known. And so God wants us to understand that He's holy. John says in his first letter, God is holy, and in Him there is no darkness at all. And see, that's where we find ourselves in a problem, because God doesn't compare us to other people. We can all say, well, I'm better than so-and-so. We can find somebody that we're better than. But the thing is, God doesn't compare us to so-and-sos. He compares us to Himself. Compared to him, there's not one of us that measures up. But praise God, because of his great love, and because of that amazing grace, he loves us despite ourselves. He says, this is what Paul says, God desires your holiness. And God's holiness and the things that we are to seek after is not a a list of to-dos. 
It's not a checkbox, but it's our heart. It's the things that we desire. It's the things that we spend our time on. Just as if we eat our vegetables and we stay away from salt and we eat healthy, what's going to happen? Our blood pressure is going to be lower. We're going to be healthier. But if we eat at McDonald's, you know, we have the double egg McMuffin for breakfast every day and a Big Mac every day for lunch and a quarter pounder with cheese and french fries every day for supper, what's going to happen? Our cholesterol is going to go way up. And our blood pressure is going to go way up. And we're not going to be very healthy. So Paul says, listen, it's the same in your spiritual life. If you want to be holy, this is the secret. And it, oh, it's a doozy. Stay away from bad stuff. Instead of bad stuff, fill your life with good stuff. Stay away from sexual immorality. Possess your body, and that's, that word vessel is a Greek word that means body. He's saying, listen, keep yourselves as one of honor and purity. So stay away from those things. That, hey, listen, the Gentiles, they're out living. He said, don't live like the Gentiles. To us, putting it in our speech, it'd be don't live like lost people. And I don't need to tell you what that means. You know what that means. And you know what that entails. Lost people aren't concerned about church. They're not concerned about God. They're not concerned about the Bible or praying or, you know, doing... Godly things. It's not on their radar. But far too often that's also true of people that say they're Christians. People who maybe even are members of our church. And in times in our life, all of us have been in that place. And the thing is, it's not God that misses out. It's us. We need to understand that God never asks us to give up something that's not for our best and that he won't replace with something so much better. You know, there are a lot of people that, you know, have uh, have a lot of money, have a lot of things, have everything they want, and yet their life is missing. Why? Why? Because Jesus is missing. Becoming more and more like Jesus is what should be the aim of our life. And by the way, that's a a process. It doesn't happen overnight. And it doesn't happen by accident. It happens because we're intentional. And that brings me to the second thing that I want to see, and that is this, that our holiness is reflected in our actions. It's easy on church. When we gather in this place, it's 
It's easier to be holy here because this is a holy place. Oh, that we could just all park out here. That we could hear preaching every day and we could sing together every day and we could eat together every day. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Oh, we'd like to think it would. You know what happens when people are together all the time? Leslie will start getting on your nerves. And the preacher will start getting on your nerves. And even your own husband will start getting on your nerves. And those children will start getting on your nerves. Why? Because we're all different and we're all fallen creatures that Sometimes we have trouble listening to the Lord. But our holiness is reflected in our actions. It's not whether you go to church. It's not whether you've been baptized. It's how you live your life. And that's the actions that Paul is talking about. You see, it's not just, well, did I stay away from whatever it might be, whatever stumbling blocks, whatever sin, as Paul says in Romans chapter 12, that so easily besets you, and it's different for every one of us. But have we intentionally, as Paul says in that passage in Romans, put off that sin? Or do we wear it around our necks and say, ah, it's not that big of a deal. Our holiness is reflected in our actions and in our lifestyle. So Paul says, listen, you need to stay away from uncleanness. Seek after the things that are good. Paul says in Philippians chapter 4 verse 8, if anything is praiseworthy, think on these things. And so when some kind of crud comes on the radio, guess what? Every radio has something on it. It's a button or a dial, and guess what it does? It either turns it off or changes the station. And your television has the same thing. You can turn it off or you can change the channel. There are some good magazines you can read. There's also some trashy magazines you can read. Paul says, pick the good ones. It'll be a whole lot better for you. And so when we choose, instead of giving in to what our flesh wants, because our flesh is sinful, but when we feed our spirit, we find our life so much better. We find that no matter how good we thought things were before we knew the Lord, that it's when we find Christ that we start living. And so our holiness is reflected in our actions and our ongoing actions. It's easy to be nice once in a while. It's easy to be forgiving once in a while. It's easy to serve others once in a while. But Christ is reflected in our life when our service and our choices are difficult. 
when we don't want to get up and go to church, when we don't want to read our Bible, when we don't feel like praying. It's those times when we say, well, I don't want to do it, but I'm going to do it anyway, that we get the greatest blessings. And so we need to understand something that our lifestyle says a lot about what we believe about Jesus. Whether we live for him or whether we don't. And you can fool people, and you can fool your pastor. I'm as gullible as gullible can be. And I try to see the good in all of you. And I don't see those blemishes and those cracks and those chips that are there. But God does. And you know they're there. Well, does that mean you just throw your hands up and say, well, there's no use in trying? Oh. Because in the hand of a loving and all-powerful God, God takes the chips and the cracks and he makes them new again. You and I can't do it. Alcohol certainly can't do it. Pornography can't do it. Relationships can't do it. Money can't do it. But guess what can do it? Jesus in a relationship with him can do it. And that is a message that not only do we need to realize and embody in our life, but we also need to understand something else. Paul says, listen, it matters how you take care of yourself, how you put those fleshly desires away and you feed the spiritual things that you might be nurtured and grow in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And then he says, love one another. I think it's interesting that he uses that word because in our culture, love is equated with sex, isn't it? Oh, if you love... But love has very little to do. Love has to do with caring for someone. Even when they're unloving and unlovable. Because that's how God loves us, isn't it? So he says, listen, I don't have to write to you that you ought to love one another because you're doing it. But what does he say? He says, do it more. Most of you are loving people. If you need to know if you are or not, you come after church and I'll let you know if you're one of the loving ones or not. I'm just teasing. No matter, you know, all of us try to be loving most of the time. Paul says to the Thessalonica, your love for each other is known throughout even all the nation, through all of Macedonia. But what does he say? Love more and more. In other words, as much as you're loving, do it even more. Keep trying to outlove the Lord because you're not ever going to do it. But then he reminds us of something else. 
that as we seek to live a life of holiness and we reflect that in our lifestyle, it says a lot. And the third point that I want to mention is that our actions speak of our master. He said, mind your business. And he's not talking about not being a busybody, although that he, he has the idea, you know, take care of, of yourself. Work. Proverbs says, if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. But Paul also said, you know, that we need to help those that, that need help. And we need to be concerned for other people. He said, listen, if you will stay away from unholy things and you'll live a life of holiness and you'll love your brothers and sisters in the Lord and you'll love the lost, guess what? The Lord will be lifted up. You will be a testimony. You'll be a witness through your life to those who are lost and those who have wandered away and backslidden from the Lord. But also notice what he says. He says, you will have some of your needs. Is that what he said? Nope, that ain't what he says. He says, you will have all that you need. I'm thankful I serve a God that's that's able to meet any need that I have. And he's able to do the same for you. Now, that doesn't mean that he gives us everything we want, although he does give us some wants, doesn't he? Because he throws those in just because he can. But he does give everything we need if we're faithful to him. Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 8, he said, listen, consider the lilies. They're not worrying about and toiling how they're going to survive. They just... Look pretty. And I give off that smell that makes everybody sneeze. That little sparrow, that chirping, aggravating little bird that isn't worth anything. One of those birds doesn't fall to the ground that God doesn't know. And if God cares for the grass and the lilies and the birds... How much more does God care for you? But you see, when you realize that, it affects how you live your life. That's why Christians come together to God's house to worship together. That's why Christians give more uh, money. Most charity in our country comes from Christians. Most volunteer hours come from Christians. Why? Because we understand that all we have is a gift from God. Now, we are not worthy of it, but God, by His grace and His mercy, heaps blessing upon blessing upon blessing. Why does He do that? So that we can take those blessings and we can share it with others. That just the way that we know that God provides and that God loves and that God forgives, that they can know it too. And so you be sure that as you grow in holiness, it says a lot about the Lord. When people know you when you were lost, 
and they see you now, they better say, you know what, you're different. You might say, well, you look the same, you've just got some more gray hairs or a few more pounds. Or... But hopefully they say, you know what, you're not what you used to be. But the converse of that is also true. If we say we belong to Christ and we live like the devil, you better believe the world takes notice of that. And it speaks loud and clear. A message that we don't want to proclaim. A message that, listen, God, not really real. He doesn't have any power. He's not going to make a difference in your life because he's not made a difference in mine. Now, would any of us want to say that? No. But that's exactly what we proclaim sometimes by the way that we live our life. Be assured your actions speak very loudly about your master without you even saying a word. So he says, that you might walk properly toward those who are out. Who's he talking about? That you might be a witness to those who are lost. To those that don't need the Lord. To those that are wandering around in sin and have no hope. And they're marching down the road to hell just like you were. Before somebody told you about the gospel and told you about Jesus. And told you that he died for your sin. That you might have new life and you received and accepted that great offer. How dare we keep that offer to ourselves. Because God didn't just come to save some, did he? He came to save everyone. Paul declares in the book of Romans, Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The drug addict, the murderer, the rapist, the neighbor that aggravates me, that co-worker that drives me batty. Yes. Whosoever. And I'm glad that whosoever included me, and I'm glad it included you too. And if we've received that offer, and we've been changed by the grace of God, we know firsthand there's not a soul that God can't save and God can't clean up. If God can save you and God can save me, God can save and God will save anyone. That receives him. But do our actions reflect that message? Or do our actions say, well, if you do some things right first, then God will save you. Or if you're the right skin color, you speak the right language, or you have the right zip code, God will save you. We know that none of those things are true. God will save anyone, anywhere, anytime, if they but ask. That offer of salvation is open to anyone, including you and including me, 
And praise God, hopefully we've received that. And when we've received it, our actions show it. Not that we're perfect. You think your preacher's perfect? Ask Leslie, she'll tell you quick, I'm not. She'll say he's just about, but he's got one or two issues. None of us are perfect. But God doesn't expect us to be perfect. What does He expect? He expects us to be loving and growing in holiness more and more. So whether we've been a Christian for 90 years, we might be 120 years old, and God still left us on this earth. Paul says here to the Thessalonians and to us, as much as you love the Lord, love Him more. As much as you know Him, know Him more. As much as you share Him, share Him more. Because there are people that need to hear it. There are people in your family, there's people where you work, there's people in the grocery stores, at the hairdressers. Everywhere we go, there are people that need hope, that need answer, that need the thing that's missing in their life. And what's missing in their life is not more money, it's not a better job, it's Jesus. And we need Him more, and this world certainly needs Him more. And the way we have Him more is to heed Paul's admonition. Stay away from sin. Instead, go after holiness. Remember, you are set apart for a purpose. To be God's chosen vessel. To be... his pride, to be his joy. Well, how do we do that? It's not, God doesn't love us, he doesn't accept us by our behavior. We talked about in Sunday school this morning from Ephesians chapter 2. We are not saved by our works. But we are saved by grace through faith. But when we are saved by grace through faith, it better darn tootin' make a difference in your life. And if God really has come into your life, it will make a difference. And you'll be growing more and more like Jesus until one day you make it to heaven. Either God, you die or God comes back for His church. The Bible says we'll be transformed in the twinkling of an eye and we'll be just like Jesus. This old sinful body and flesh will be no more. The aches and pains that we have be no more. But, It's a process. 
It doesn't happen by accident. It happens because we are intentional. And we say, you know what, I want to... And, and again, we don't have to have a list. I don't have to tell you, these are things that are bad you need to stay away from. These are things that are good you need to... You know what they are. How do you know? Well, if you can't figure it out on your own, Paul says here in these verses we read, God's given you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's job is to illuminate, to guide, and to comfort you, to show you how you ought to live. And so if you don't know if something's right or wrong, pray about it. Say, Lord, should I be doing this? And I guarantee you God's going to tell you. Just be sure you don't be the one to determine what the answer is, that you really listen to the Holy Spirit of God. God, is it all right? Take your, this tithe money. I, I really want this fancy new Corvette. Lord, would you rather me have this Corvette or would you rather me give the money to the church? Well, I can guarantee you, the Lord says, you know what? Give that money to the church. But so often we say because we want the car. Well, preacher, the Lord told me that I needed to have this car. And he was all right. He said, just this once I can forgo my tithe. No, he didn't. God will never give us permission to do things that are contrary to his word and to his character. And by the way, how do we know that? We know it more and more as we grow in him more and more. As our sanctification increases, boy, we know more about the Lord, don't we? I'm thankful that I know, you know, I know a good bit about the Lord, thankfully. There's still things He's teaching me and things He's working on, but I sure know a whole lot more than I did 30 years ago. And hopefully we all can say that. The Lord has proven himself, and he will show himself to be faithful. So Paul's answer, how do we live the... Do it, as the old Nike slogan said, just do it. Paul says, flee, not just meander away, not skirt as close to sin as we possibly can. Mom, how late can I stay out? You can be out until 11 o'clock. So we skirt in the door at 10.59.59. No, that's not God's desire. When we're pursuing, Paul says, flee. In other words, get as far away from it as you can. In fact, Jesus was so extreme, he said, if your hand would lead you to sin, cut it off. If your eye would lead you to sin, pluck it out. Now Jesus was, he was using hyperbole, blowing things like he doesn't want us mutilating ourselves. He's making a point though. But hey, listen, it's a whole lot better to go without an eye or an arm <coughs> than to spend eternity in hell because we couldn't learn to control our bodies in a way that honors the Lord. Lord, help us to do that. So church, what are you chasing after? 
I hope you're chasing after the Lord. And by the way, doesn't Scripture say, if you seek me, you'll find me? And so if we're seeking after the Lord, we're going to find him. If we're chasing after him, guess what? We're going to catch him. Or maybe a better way to say it was he'll catch us. Let's pray again. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray if there's one here today that doesn't know you, the forgiveness of sin, Lord, would you help them today to receive that great gift by simply acknowledging their sin and receiving the great gift of salvation. Lord, if there's one of your children here today that, Lord, they're backslidden, they're, they're living and skirting in sin, and today you would convict their heart. And Lord, it might be an uneasiness. It might be that those preachers been looking in my mirror or in my living room. But Lord, your Holy Spirit has spoken to hearts. Lord, if there's sins that need to be confessed, if there's things, as Paul says in Romans chapter 12, that need to be put off so that they do not snare us and trip us up, Help us today to do business with you that we might live lives that honor you, that testify to this world that you are a God of grace and so that we might have all that we need. We pray this in Jesus' name. Let's stand together. Let's sing this hymn of invitation.